You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, January 14th, 2019. It's episode 346, Jason and Rob, back again. Jason and Rob, Rob and Jason, it's what happens every other week. Well, to you guys every week, to us every other week. Every other week, we get together and we do this, we waste each other's time. <laughs> but um, the good news is, we both have better things we could be doing, but we, we enjoy this. Choose Well, I wouldn't say we enjoy it. <laughs> we choose to do it. We choose to do it because of all of you. Yeah. The builders. Just for you guys. Yes. Um, the year of Pablo continues. It does. I'm just going to jump straight into this. Yeah, well, we might as well. Yeah. Who needs small talk when you've got Pablo? Pop, the year of Pablo continues. We've got the next soda uh, from from our good friend from Brazil, uh, Pablo Schulman. Uh, the next one, is, so everybody remembers, I think, that uh, last time we tried the uh, Guarana Antarctica. Yes. Okay. And uh, we liked that very, very much. much yeah. Right. So this one, this is the next one on Pablo's list. It's called Mate Quoro. Um, and he says, this one is produced in my hometown, Belo Horizonte. Probably mispronouncing that. Right. And it is quite interesting because they mixed Guarana with two herbs. And those are, sh- uh, uh, it's, it's probably... <laughs> I was gonna say French like, but it's not gonna be French pronunciation. It's uh, it's it's ch- chapeau or chapi ch- chapeau de, uh, de quoro, chapeau de quoro and erva mate. Which hey mate quoro makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna try this here. Let's give it a give it a sniff. Uh, uh, yeah. Smells spicier. It smells almost a little gingery. It's got a ginger color to it. It's a brown. It is, it is uh, darker. Almost yeah. like a Verner's if you're from Michigan. Yeah. Right, here we go. Yeah. Going okay. in. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's sweeter, I think, than the last one. It has an unexpected flavor. Yeah. I'm, so I'm assuming that's the herbs. Probably. It is, it is a little herby. A little bit sweeter, I think, than the last one. It, it, almost a little more syrupy. Um, and I feel like the flavor lingers a little bit longer than that last one we had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. It's tasty, though. Uh, I, I So far, if we're keeping track, and I feel like we should, the other one, the Antarctica, was my yeah. favorite. That's mm-hmm. I like um, that one a little better. Yeah. But this is still... I mean, I would still drink this, mm-hmm. but like I would seek out that Antarctica one. Yeah. Because it was so good. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. Um, yeah. A little more syrupy, a little sweeter, definitely. You can taste the syrup, yeah. Feel, yeah. A little bit more of an herby or floral flavor to it. Um. On the syrupy side, it, it tastes a little more like an American soda. It does, yeah. Um, but the floral flavor is, is definitely different and unique. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, all right. We will enjoy this for the rest of the episode. It's I, in, it's interesting, yeah. though. It smells like it tastes. Like, smell it again yeah. and then taste it. And it yeah. smells exactly mm-hmm. like it. Like, it tastes exactly like yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you would expect it definitely. to after yeah. smelling it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Mm-hmm. And Pablo, just so you know, we're drinking these still out of very fancy glasses. I take them up and I tell Rob I wash them. I don't. Um, I just sort them and he try mostly and, just pees in them and then <laughs> shakes them out. Well, and then I just mix them up so we don't know whose was whose. So it's great. It's good. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter who drank out of it. If I peed in both of them, probably. <laughs> so you're like, I don't care. So maybe that's part of the flavor. I'm so getting. I can clearly not choose the one in front of me. Um, um, 
So I, I think we're not going to drink one since again most yeah. be, everything everybody knows right. we uh, we record two episodes tonight. We're we're going to not drink another one on next week's episode. We'll save the next one. Yeah, for the next time we sit down to record. This is a full six hundred uh, milliliter bottle. So, uh, yeah, it's which a, is so a lot of ounces. It was we would say here in the states because we're stupid about measuring things. Um, it's about your average bottle of soda size. Yeah. So anyways, uh, because of that, we're not going to have. Too. So next week we'll be taking off. It will still be officially the year of Pablo. Oh, the year yeah. of Pablo goes on for a year. This just extends it out a little yes, more. Yes, need so, to make it last. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyways, that is that. And yeah. then actually, um, oh, Rob, you don't know this yet. I don't but, know this. Uh, we're going to take a break probably for a few weeks. Oh, Sorry. We? Uh, we're, we have an interview uh, time after next. Oh, do we? I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that. Who are we interviewing? Do you want to bleep it? Or do you just want to say it? I don't so, care. Well, uh, I don't know who it is, so <laughs> that's up to you. We're man. interviewing Brad Pitt. No, he's really big into gaming. That's not true. We're not interviewing Brad Pitt. <laughs> so Matthew McConaughey, maybe you just come out and say, "All right, uh, it'll be great." No, uh-huh. um, no, uh, we are interviewing uh, JT from the Game Crafter. Oh, cool. So a while back, he uh, they they so they they heard our episode where we yeah. talked about our. Th- you know, um, right. my troubles. Rob has not had any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know we've been big supporters. And uh, and they said they've got some cool new stuff coming out. And they'd love to talk about it. And I, I would love to hear that. Um, uh, they're always doing new and innovative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, so uh, I had sent a message to JT and said, hey. Because Tavis said, we would love for JT, not me, to be on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Tavis is a great talker. So I, he could have been. But yeah. I've actually, I think I've met JT briefly. Um, yeah, I think me too at a, at a con only very briefly. Right. But I mean, Tavis, we've talked to for sure. years. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, uh, yeah, we're going to have on the show. I'm cool. pretty excited about that. Um, it'll be interesting to hear someone so directly involved with the game crafter talk about it in that yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've never had a conversation like that on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Good. So I- I'm excited to have him on. Yeah. Um, took I, a little longer to schedule than I thought because of the holidays, it but, happens. um, it worked out. So yeah. I yeah. think he is uh, responsible for the game design ruler, which I still need to freaking buy one. Yes. Of, you know? Yes. Yeah. That was probably the best invention it's cool. Ever. That's cool. I, do you know how much they are? They can't I be don't. that much. I'm sure they're not so. not too pricey. Yeah. At, at this rate, I might just wait till I, I, I get to a convention and see if I can just pick one up at a convention. I'm betting they'll sell those probably. like at Gen Con or something. Yeah. So. Yeah, probably. Hey, speaking of Gen Con, uh, we're recording this uh, the week before badge registration. Oh, so by the time, builders, you hear this, we will have gone through that um, train wreck. Right. Well, badge registration's not super bad. Yeah. Well, you're right. And then like two weeks after that is housing. So. But almost immediately we'll get our emails or do we got get our emails? I don't right know, away? man. I don't, I don't know. know. What was it like last year? I don't remember. So the, the big thing is the email with the time to yeah. sign up, right? Yeah. Now, are you registering you and Christine separately mm-hmm. so that we'll get two times? Yeah, good, good. Okay. So yeah, we'll Christine's get... going to be at a ballet that day. So I'll be registering myself and then logging in as her and registering her. Cool. And so we'll have three time slots we'll get. Yeah. They could all be terrible. Uh, they yeah. could all be good. Yeah. Uh, last year, I had a good one, and you guys had terrible ones. Right. So. Yeah. We. You had a good one. I had a bad one, and a just uh, a a tragic one. Yeah. Really. yeah. <laughs> the one was like, just show up at Gen Con. We'll yeah. see if there's a place we can put you. Yeah. Like in a parking structure or something. Right. So yeah. Yeah. We'll reserve a parking space for you, and yeah. you can sleep in your car, and just hope that the cops don't come by. Honestly, like, so what I did think for Gen Con, best ideal thing for Gen Con, yeah. if you don't want to get a hotel, uh. We, we have a camper, right? And mm-hmm. Mills has talked about bring a camper down and like just camp at like the park. There's a place you can camp. There is, yeah. I, I don't want to do that. Um, I think Ken Franklin actually does that, uh, yeah. the designer I know. But uh, I, I, I don't want to do that. But 
um, they have uh, these vans. They're like, uh, they look like um, it's a conversion vans. Yeah, it looks like it looks, yeah. but it's like a they're square, right? They're they're um, they're more streamlined than the old school ones. Okay. Uh, they have a tall roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how tall. So whether or not you can get into a parking structure, I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, that's a deal breaker, right? You got to be yeah. able to get into a parking structure. Um, but you could totally sleep in that. Like they, it's made to sleep and stuff in there. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise cooking in there. Um, in a parking <laughs> structure. Um, yeah. Maybe meth. Um, that might be okay. That um, oh no, that's endorsed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's especially you know, in Indianapolis. Yeah, right. They love the meth. Down they there. love the meth. They're real big on meth. I don't know if that's actually true. So let's hope. Let's hope it's not. I mean, it's in the Midwest. The mid the Midwest loves meth. Yeah, you know. Yeah. They, they they don't call it the the mid meth for for uh, that's right. Yeah, you know, the meth west. It's a thing. Yeah, mid mid meth actually is probably better than meth west because meth west sounds like the west. Mid meth, yeah, that that's probably the ticket. Anyways, um, no, so, no, yeah, no. let's so, keep going down that little yeah. rabbit hole there. <laughs> keep, like, yeah, no, yes and yes yeah. and <laughs> the mid meth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes so, and. Uh, anyway, go on. So yeah, so uh-huh. we got to do the badge thing. Yeah, we got to do the hotel thing, and yeah, every time we do the hotel thing, I don't want to go to Gen Con anymore. Even when we get a room, because it's so anxiety producing. Yeah, here's the good news though. Okay, they are building two huge new hotels. Oh, I didn't know. They that. won't be ready this year. Yeah, they'll be ready next year, and I want to say it's another two thousand rooms. Oh, that's that's good. a big deal. Yeah, two thousand yeah, rooms. That's great. That's at least four thousand more convention goers, but probably more like five thousand to to 6,000. You figure three people per room on average. I think most rooms have an average of two to three people in them. Well, I I can't help but question how much more growth is there at the Indianapolis Convention Center? Because they're not adding more space there. And if Gen Con sold out, it means they were at capacity for that facility. And I don't know. Yes. Yeah. And... um, (laughs) Well, I, I'm just what I, my point is that that I wonder if more hotel rooms means uh, means more people will be able to stay downtown. And it won't. I don't know that attendees will grow with right, with, right at the same rate that hotel rooms are growing. So this is a good thing, is my point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. I think it's great because they they have more space they can use within Lucas Oil Stadium proper. Uh, they've been doing more and more of that, but yeah. I don't know that that actually increases the attendee allowance. Right. Right. Um, I would guess that if it does, it's you know within a couple thousand, which doesn't really make that much of a difference. No. Um, but frankly, a convention like Gen Con, I think, is kind of tapped, right? Like, um, there's an audience for it. And sure, that audience could grow, but where it is, the people who can go generally go. The people mm-hmm. who can't go generally don't go, right? People yeah. who want to go don't go. Um, I, well, I think it could grow. I, I think it'll be fine. I, I, I guess I, my biggest fear would be that there would be a day where Gen Con becomes somehow so popular that you're fighting for a badge. Yeah, that would be bad. Right. Uh, if that's the case, then, you know, we know enough publishers will just be working the convention yeah. to get in, right? <laughs> I, um, it hey, would, Mark, let me work in your right. booth, please, buddy. I'm not sure that I'd want to go in that case then. I would. I mean, yeah. you don't have to work that much. Yeah. I'd, Gen Con's fun, man. Gen Con's fun, but I but it's fun because I can do whatever I want whenever I want, you know? And I don't want... I, I wouldn't want to be tethered to a booth. Yeah, I mean, um, I've done that. It's not terrible. So. Yeah, I, it's just not my thing. I just don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. Um, it, yeah. Anyway, I, I think I think if it becomes that, it would be it'd be one of those things where, you know, fighting for a badge means making sure you register in the first month. Yeah, that's yeah. true. 
Yeah, I don't think it would ever be so bad that day one you'd have the right the rush you know catastrophe the, that right. you have of the um, yeah yeah so yeah. I hope not what that'd be terrible it, it'd be yeah so. it'd be untenable well, he, if, if they did that then they'd have to move to a different location anyway um I have some stuff from Twitter that I thought I might share oh wow that's great All right because because uh, I asked for for uh, thoughts or comments from builders on Twitter. Uh, so we have a few things here. Uh, first is from Jay Sparks. Remember Sparks? Jay Sparks? Yeah, I remember yeah. Jay Sparks. What's up, man? He says, uh, hey, we haven't talked to you all in quite a while, but I've enjoyed watching your successes from afar. Aww. Thanks, Jay. He's not been watching too closely if he thinks we're succeeding. Well, you oh, know. I'm just kidding. Yeah, Thanks, man. That's great. We'll take it, though. Thank you. Yeah, I hope yeah. you guys are doing well, uh, uh, and uh, best of luck to you. Yeah. Um, Patrick Rowland. Rowland? Rowland. Rowland. I don't know. Is yeah. it, it's R-O-W, isn't it? It's R-A-U-L-A-N-D. R-A-U-L-A-N-D? Yeah, at BF Trick. It's a different Patrick. It's a different Patrick. Yeah. yeah. What's uh, up, Patrick? He says, uh, hey, what do you do a month before launching your Kickstarter? Asking for my game, Fry Thief. Hashtag Fry Thief. <laughs> so it's a good good way to get us to plug something. That is. Good job. Yeah. Um, what do I do a month before launching a Kickstarter? Well, I've never launched my own Kickstarter, but when one of my games has gone up on Kickstarter, I mostly just talked to the publisher and said, tell, tell me what to do. Tell me, tell me, right. um, how, you know, how active do you want me to be in comments? What kind of messaging do you want me to get behind? What, you know, do you want to handle everything? Do, you know, what, what input do you need from me? That's typically my approach to that. Right. For me, uh, I'll tell you in a few months. Uh, when I'll be about a month before launching my own Kickstarter. Uh, my guess, if I had to guess, what would I be doing? It's probably having a panic attack. That's my first obvious choice. Um, Scrambling to get yeah. your Kickstarter campaign sh- page together. Speaking of which, uh-huh. we have to talk about this. You what? can leave this in. I don't even care. But you're going to love me. I'm not sure that I will. You will because I had all of your icons created for us. Oh, that's good news. By the artist. Great. And they look fantastic. Great. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, actually, I should still be saying thank you. But anyways, <laughs> you're welcome for making your nice, nice helping okay. way easier. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, let's see. Next one is from Roscoe Shock. Uh, he, he asks, why isn't, why isn't it building the games, plural, instead of singular? I mean, that's a good question. Um, I think probably just because building the game is, it's it's kind of more final, right? Yeah. It's I, like a period on the end. Well, I mean, if you want to, why don't we just come clean here, Rob? Okay. So 346 episodes and I'm finally going to come clean. This has just all been a trick. This has just all been one big long con, one big confidence game. We're not actually designing games. My name's not even Jason. His name's not even Rob. This is all a prank. Um, And that's the game we've been building for 346 episodes. Anyways, moving on. So what's your next question? Next question is uh, from, uh, I don't know if you know this guy, uh, uh, at Van Ryder Games. Um, That sounds like a fake account. It might be. Uh, here's my submission. Dear Rob, my youngest, Leo, and I played Epic Monster Tea Party last night. I won 37 to 36. <laughs> but he still loves the game despite having a dad that won't let him win. That is all. <laughs> that sounds like AJ. Yeah, totally. 
Uh, yeah, uh, but that's a close game too. Thirty-seven, thirty-six. That's a yeah. That tells me that Leo has moved beyond the point of squishing everything, and Leo <laughs> was playing strategically. <laughs> right, right, right. He's actually, he's well, playing it better. His dad's a publisher who makes some pretty slick games, so I have to imagine they take a lot of strategy. So. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, got two more here. Next one is from uh, Rafael Rosario uh, at Curly and Pickled. What <laughs> that's fantastic. What mechanisms best create friendly player interaction or hostile player attraction? Um, I think that um, hugging mechanics for for mm-hmm. the positive and punching mechanics for the negative, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I think Rob has learned from experience that if you want to create a hostile review environment, mm-hmm. what's the one thing you want to make sure to add in your games? I'm not sure what you're talking about. Take that. Take that. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, because everybody... Um, yeah. I actually, aside from that, I would say player elimination is a great way to be hostile, right? Yeah. Um, or stealing people's resources, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, stealing, taking things. You want to make me hostile in a game, break the nothing sacred rule, and I'll be pissed every time. Yeah, yeah. You know, screw you gubs. Right. Grubs, gubs, gubs. gubs. Yeah. Gubs, yeah. It's a good yeah, game. Man. I just, that just made me mad. It's rough, though. It is rough. Yeah. Like, oh, um, you had a plan? No, you didn't. Yeah. I set your cards on fire. Like, how is how are you setting my cards on fire? That's what this card says I get to do. Like, yeah. how are we going to play again? It doesn't matter. Right. Gubs. That's a, that's a game that ends just because you made it through the deck and not because right. you accomplished anything. Actually, <laughs> if uh, actually, um, Mr. Pickles, uh, whatever, Curly Pickles, uh, listen, Curly Pickles, you want to play a game, and we've talked about this before, that will make your friends hostile with each other. There is number one game in the whole world that will start off easy and make you want to fight people. And that game is... Come on, man. I don't know. Las Vegas. Oh. <laughs> I feel like you could have been describing one of... Yeah, of but that's like our game, games. right? Where like we play it and you kind of want to hurt people. Yeah. I mean... I showed that to some new people last weekend. Yeah. Same scenario. They were like, oh, ha, ha, oh, why, why are you screwing me over? And then I was like, hey, you know, if you put that there, it blocks them and blocks them. Yeah. And Steph's like, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Yeah. I'm like, she's going to do it. You know she is. I'm not going to... She puts the thigh where I said to put it. I'm like, yeah, sure. yep, that's right. Yeah. She's like, don't listen to him. He's just trying to screw you over. Yeah. I'm like, Good. I am. I am. That's how you play the Las Vegas. Um, And it's for... What? What? Go on. Sharing. A Call. good, a happy mechanic to help happy. people. Yes, um, that's what I was going to say. Ben Rossett's uh, Between Two Cities uh, uh-huh. uses that mechanic where when I do something good, it helps you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think, is a good way to that's do that. Good, I don't yeah. know what that's called. Let's call it the yes and mechanic. I like that. Okay. Done. Done. All right. Uh, let's see. And then last thing we've got here is uh, somebody named Nate Daughtry. I think Nate Daughtry. Oh, oh, like um, like Daughtry the band. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nate Daughtry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he says, "Down with Rob, bring back Table Flips You." The meaning, Chris. From oh, Flip hey, Table. thanks. Yeah. yeah. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'm gonna pretend that's a compliment for me, but really, it's, it's just, not for you. He could have been said down with Rob or Jason, but he said down with Rob, bring back Table Flips. Oh, you. yeah. Da- but I right. think he understood the chemistry that 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 Chris and I have together. Yeah. Like it's a real thing. It's a real. It's thing. real chemistry. It's all on Chris's side, but. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're just kind of an emotionless husk of a human being, former. Not as much as being. you. Oh no! I mean, yes, you still have more humanity than I do, and there's not much of that. Um, yeah. So, um, that's a thing. That's that's Twitter stuff. Thanks for Twitter everybody. Stuff. Thanks to everybody who sent in some messages. Uh, we enjoy that. Don't forget that you can also call. 
800, no, no, not 800. 770, tell BTG. Tell BTG. It's been a long day. I'm kind of out of it today. Um, Topic. Please don't use the email. Whatever. Please don't use the email. That's what it was. Please don't use the email. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's good. So, uh, topic tonight. Topic tonight. I wanted to talk about kind of deconstructing uh, uh, things, deconstructing games or deconstructing ideas. Okay. What? Let me let me start us off here. Okay. It's deconstructing the game with Jason and Rob. There's our there's our new title for the, you know. We're not going to do that. No. Um so I want to talk about deconstructing games like, like I think looking at looking at things that we feel like th- things that are familiar, right? Things that are familiar that are known uh and and trying to look at them and understand wh- what is it about them what what is the core of those things you know and what 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 is the core experience in those what do you do uh in that that process of kind of breaking it down into kind of core components or most basic level uh, function is something that i kind of i enjoy the the mental practice of that and it's something that has served me reasonably well in the past um it's something when when you had Chris on the show and he talked about his uh, Monopoly uh, game, he was doing kind of that as well, you know, deconstructing both Monopoly and Yahtzee and and cramming them back together to to create something new that sort of right. had the feeling of both while also being a new thing, you know. Um, go ahead. When you describe it that way, it's interesting because it's almost like justifying mechanics to a theme. Like mm-hmm. where where you're you're except for mm-hmm. you're deconstructing the theme, right? What makes this what makes this theme this theme? Oh, right? sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of different yeah. ways to approach yeah. that. Concept, That's interesting. Right? Yeah. yeah. But I, I think of it as is looking at what you know. Here's a thing that I that I feel like I understand that everybody understands. L- let me let me kind of look at it critically and think about what are the core components of this thing. And those components could be both mechanics and be theme. Uh, and and it may also be experience. It could be all all three of those things mm-hmm. combined together. Um. To some degree, uh, I, I did this a little bit, and I didn't even realize I was doing it at the time. But I did this a little bit with Saloon Tycoon, and thinking about you know, um, uh, you know, this in this experience of building things up. I, longtime listeners know that that I started with like five or six different resource types, and you're mm-hmm. building this complicated thing, and 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 I, I pulled all that back and just went with a single generic resource and supplies. Um, and just thinking that you know it, uh, all of this complexity is does not serve gameplay, right? And 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 in a lot of cases, I think a lot of games have that kind of complexity, and not that it's a bad thing, but I'm not sure that it, it, in every case it serves the experience, right? Right. And and uh, and it adds complexity. I'm not sure without it, it. I'm not sure that it always adds value with that complexity, right? right. Uh, in every case, so, and that that was how I was feeling at the time. So let me take you in, and so I said, let me pull back from that. Right. Um, and then I, I definitely did that when it came to be to do simple surgery. And that was a time where, where I was I was thinking about I was thinking about um, um, operation, you know, mm-hmm. saying, hey, what, what 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 is this? What is this? What is in and, and that was not necessarily a mechanical thing, but it was an experience thing. I think what what is so great about operation? Why has operation endured? Because it's not a great game. No, it's not. No, it's no. not. Not even a little bit. So mechanically, it's it's completely uninteresting, right? Unless you're a small child. So why who likes has buzzers? It, who likes buzzers? So why has it endured? And it's and it's that feeling of suspense. And so so 
keying into that and thinking about how can I how can I keep that suspense and that risk and, and that that tension and either the the triumph of success success or the buzzer of failure, right? How, uh, what's another way to approach that? And I really found that uh, a fun project. Um, and I'm not saying I did that on my own. Obviously, you had input on that. I still give Matt Loomis a lot of credit for helping you figure out the end to that and in the process for mm-hmm. that, right? Um, to, to make it work as a game. Um, but but that's that's something that I enjoy doing. So I, I um, it, 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 again, it served me well. So I don't know what thoughts you might have on that. No, I think that's one of the things that strikes me is I was talking to um, uh, somebody recently, uh, somebody who's new into game design. Uh, and through a, through a mutual friend, they had said, oh, you should talk to Jason. He does this podcast and stuff. And, um, and the person was talking to me about tr- their first time trying to make a prototype and how they're like, well, it's just, you know, I start to make the prototype. And then I realize, oh, no, I should change this about the game or this about the game. And this needs to be this and this needs to be that. And then I just kind of I just kind of stop. And I said, OK, I said, is this the first game you designed? And they said, yeah, for the first game I've really designed. And I said, well, the, the first problem you're likely having is you've mm-hmm. designed more than one game. Right, it's the it's the classic sure. problem that a new game designer has. Um, you didn't go through it, I don't think, as much because you in the beginning were really trying to just design really straightforward, simple ideas, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was trying to kind of like go for the more complex stuff. And then, uh, you know, as people listen to the show know, we've kind of crossed paths on that to where I've gotten to the more like wanting to make something a little simpler. Um, I, I'm going to say more elegant, but I don't mean that in a negative way against you. You, no, you know what I mean when I say that, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You want stuff that's a little, got a little more complexity. You described your ideal design as a lightweight Euro, mm-hmm. and mine is a lightweight Ameritrash, right? I mean, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, and anyways, uh, so I think that when you think about that, this is something that could really help new game designers, right? To say, because um, I, I think with simulation games, especially we run into this issue, right? I know yeah. I have where I, I want to make a survival game, but how do I make it feel like that without doing every single piece, right? And you mm-hmm. have to say, what gives it what gives it the real, the essence of that? What is the soul of that that mm-hmm. makes it work? And, mm-hmm. um, and I think with Operation, you nailed it. In fact, as you were talking, you're like, what really makes Operation good? Or, you know, what makes it endure? And I was like... I don't know because I'd forgotten the last time when we talked about this, yeah. what you had said. And you're like, well, it's the suspense. And it's like, well, of course it is. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that's good about that game, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. Um, you know, uh, and frankly, I like yours better because there's not a stupid buzzer going <laughs> off because I hate the buzzer. Um, so anyways. As an adult, uh, but I bet as a kid you loved it. Probably I did. Yeah. But So anyways, I think that that is something really important for new game designers to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Take a game you like, a game you're like, oh, I want to make a game like this, but I want to use this theme and say, what makes this game this game? What is so good about what it? What's so right? good about it? What do I like about right. it? What's my favorite part of right. this? You know, and, and, and write down what you like about it, right? Sure. Try and write down as many things as you like about it yep. and then start removing things to say, well, this isn't what makes it really fun though. It's not this. It's not that. Rob's just throwing Legos everywhere. Just, something just exploded. I'm um, sorry. Anyways, so all of that is, um, I think those are ways you could get at that, right? Yeah. To get at that, you know, deconstructing piece, and I think even as designers, that's a good um, a good practice to just do, right? Good exercise, yeah, good exercise. That's what I was looking for. Um, yeah. To say, what do I love about this game, right? Like, um, yeah, I mean, I think so. Josh Mills has talked about that, right? About you know, hey, I stole this mechanic from this thing and this other mechanic from this other thing, and that's it, what what he's saying is that there is he, I, I, you know, I like these games, and I figured out what it is that I like about them, and so I wanna I wanna use that. 
Yeah. And, and and it, I'm going to make a mashup of these two games right. to make something that and, I think is you know going to be really good. Right. And you and I do that too. The difference is that Josh oh, has yeah. had success doing that and we haven't. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I think it's because Josh isn't very good at coming up with new ideas like we are. He's better at recycling other people's you know he's standing on the shoulders of giants really uh-huh. is you know and calling himself tall that's what josh is good at i love that guy um but no no i mean in all seriousness Keep going. i think that's just a better thing for him right he's better at um you know at uh at taking things and saying what do i like about this and then turning it into something better you know mm-hmm. so or as good i guess i'm not going to say better like some of the games that he steals from are pretty solid games <laughs> So that's I want to be so successful that someday Josh Mills has to steal from one of my games. Yeah, that'll never happen. No, and if it did, he would never tell me. He would he would yeah. find another game that I stole from and say it was that game that there you he stole go. from. There you go. Right. <laughs> so um, he'd never fess yeah. up to it. At no. Least, right? no, 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 no. Um, yeah. So that's been on my mind. I, the the game I'm going to pitch tonight. Uh, I I kind of tried to do that again. I'm not going to say it's going to be as successful as Simple Surgery, of course. I mean, you know, time and effort will, will tell, but that was kind of, I, I was, I, yeah, anyway, that was, it was where my head was, uh, and I, I wanted to talk about that some more. Um, so, so I, I, I'm going to continue that train of thought. I'm not going to roll straight into my um, pitch just yet, but, but to continue that thought, uh, what you said is, is really, really valuable to me, which is that write it down, you know, don't just think about what it is that you like best about that, but write it down, you know, and. And in that that process, that's part of the brainstorming process that, that I've learned really works for me is is to stop and, and write it down, right? You know, and and say okay, you know, list list the core components. And, and the and again, the components are mechanical or they're thematic or they're experience based, and and organizing those thoughts and being able to see them in writing is is a valuable thing. And then then for me to say okay, now that I've identified what I think are the core components of this. What what are some options to me to recreate those? How how can I recreate that experience or that feeling or that mechanic in some other way, um, so that I can try and recall that feeling, recall that emotion, or recall the fun of that mechanic, um, and uh, uh, or or of that theme? Is that what what is it about the theme that speaks to me, and what can I do to recall that? And what are some other ways to approach that? Right. Without just copying the original or simulating the original, and I don't mean I'm not just talking about other board games. I'm talking about just other experiences in general, like right. you know, racing a car or climbing a mountain, or right. you know, right. Right. whatever kind of thematic hook you're thinking of. And if it's about climbing a mountain, what what are the things that mountain climbers love about that? You know, why is that right. exciting to people? What what are the core pieces of that? And then what are ways that I can take that and I can gamify that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a game that I did that with, and I felt pretty good about how it ended up, though I never did anything with the game, uh, was um, my racing game, uh, Minecart Madness. I mean, that was based on what really, I wasn't meaning to do it at the time, but I was kind of deconstructing what made Mario Kart fun, sure. right? Like what made Mario Kart a really cool game that people kept wanting to play? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I turn that into a board game, right? Yeah. Um, so... So yeah, anyways, I, I definitely see where you're going with that. Yeah. And speaking too to the writing thing, um, you know, I I used to use Google Docs and now that I work from home, um, so often like I'm just not at my computer, even though I I mean I'm there at my computer a lot, but when I'm at my computer I feel like I want to 
be like working on my work stuff, you know, mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. um, you know, before I, I could take a lunch break, right. And, and, or a break and work on game stuff Yeah. here. When I take a break, I don't want to be at my desk. Right. Cause I sure. have a whole house. Sure. Um, I'm not just in my office. Um, so anyways, I've actually switched over to, I bought a bunch of these little pads of paper. Oh yeah. And I've switched over to my first round of notes goes on these. Oh, actually uh, handwritten. Yeah. Handwritten. Um, and then I switch over when I feel like I'm ready. Like my Battle Arena card game, just last week, I finally made a spreadsheet and started mm. tracking stuff out. And it was great because when I did that, I realized a bunch of stuff I hadn't thought of. Like, oh, well, I need to have a thing for this and this and this. And that all of that would not have ever fit on the paper. Mm-hmm. But going through the process page by page and just forcing myself to say, well, what about this? What about this? Um, and, you know, I write in pen. It's not as easy to just backspace yeah. and retype something you have to think a little harder right sure. and be a little more um a little more uh focused on what you're going to write and a little um oh, there's a word i'm looking for uh but i can't find it um a little more uh hmm, i don't know there's a word it's a good word too <laughs> i'm not sure um, what, it, what discerning. word discerning a little more discerning okay. about you know w- intentional actually that was the word I was looking for. a little more intentional, intentional okay about the decisions you're making. What are you going to spend ink on right there? Well, you know what yeah. I mean? Be, yeah, yeah, what do you actually, it's what are you going to spend that paper real estate on? Right. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. I want to fit as much of this, like, cause for the battle arena card game, I actually broke it up into like page one is going to be about this. Now mm. page two is going to be about this. Now page three. Um, and then saying, I need to be able to fit this on this page so that it's not ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and that, so that worked really well for me. So I do think kind of that tactile experience, uh, also gets it in my brain a little more than okay. typing it does. Okay. So even though my handwriting is terrible, because like I bet you can barely read any of those things. Uh, I've struggled to read your handwriting in the past. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've struggled to read my handwriting today, <laughs> not just in the past. <laughs> For me, it really matters about the pen. Like I need like actually these these pens from the old company. Yeah. Were, like some of my favorite pens. They're, they're good pens. Cool. Yeah. I mean, the, they break all the time, but they're the perfect thickness. Yeah. Right. Sure. Um, oh, I have a favorite pen at work. That's I don't need to go into the details of that story. Yeah. Anyway, I but I I understand. Right. Yeah. How important it is to have the right pen. Right. No, when I it was at the company before the company you're at, um, the mechanical pencils were my jam. I still love mechanical pencils, and they had I these ones that, that clicked on the side, and they were my favorite. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, before I left, someone uh, bought like two little like twelve packs of them and gave them to me. So and I was like, <laughs> yes, nice, nice. So I think I still have some of those in a drawer. Yeah. I hate yeah. mechanical pencils. I always have. No. Big fan. Oh. Big fan. Ugh. Anyways. Um, yeah, I should pitch a game. You now. need to pitch a game. We're running right. short on time. So uh, so this game, it was another one of those attempts to try and, like I said, deconstruct something. I was thinking about, um, uh, yeah, thinking about that. So, um, and, and I and I really loved the feeling of simple surgery. I loved the idea of using a deck of cards in a different way and not in, not in shuffle and deal, but in using it in some other way to kind of recall the feeling of something. And I thought, I wonder if, is there something else I can, I can do with that kind of approach? Can I use a deck of cards again to, as, as a, an analog or as a, a, an abstraction of some other experience? Um, so this game is called fishing and, and it's called fishing with a question mark. That's the name. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of how I felt when you said the theme. <laughs> Fishing? Fishing? Exactly. So um, so uh, we've got, we've got uh, 72 cards, okay? 
Uh, we've got 48 lake cards, or fi- I'll call them fish cards, because on one side is just, just the surface of the lake. The back is just surface of the lake, and then the fronts are different fish. We have 22 lure cards, fishing lure cards. And then we have two uh, two more cards that are just um, just lake bottom cards. It's the, the bottom lake, and that's going to go on the bottom of the deck, so nobody, if you accidentally turn it over, you're not going to see what card's there. That's the only reason for that. Okay. Just as a protection. Okay. Um, so what you do is, uh, uh, and I think it plays two to six. And I've got I've got a structure here uh, uh, in ter- based on the player count as to how many lures you start the game with, how many time you cast per round, whatever. So that's that's less important. I'm going to explain it as if we're working with six here, but but there's some scalability there. Okay. So uh, what you do is you uh, you deal out the 22 lure cards so that everybody has an even number, and then you just do some drafting, and everybody takes one and passes to the left and take one until with six players, everybody starts the game with three lures. Now, these lures are a little different. It's not just a picture of a lure. I mean, it's there, but um, the lures uh, are all going to have, I don't know if it's either colors or symbols to them, but they all have a certain uh, assortment of symbols, and I think there's probably seven or eight different symbols or colors here. And that's going to correspond with the different types of fish. Um, and what that's saying is that this lure will attract all red, green, and blue fish, right? And this one mm-hmm. will, will check yellow and pink and orange fish, okay? Simple stuff. Uh, and some lures will attract uh, every color fish, and some lures will only attract a, cu- attract a couple of colors, and some lures will only attract a single color. Um, and, and that will factor into, you know, very, very few lures will attract pink fish, but pink fish are worth more points. Okay. All right. Um, so there's, there's a breakdown of that and some fish might be multicolored as well. Okay. Um, so everybody starts the game with, uh, three lures and it's a six player game. Then you take the fish cards is that deck of fish cards. You shuffle it up and you put it face down, fully stacked. Uh, on the table, and then you put one of the lake bottom cards on the bottom, like I said, just so that if somebody accidentally picks it up, because you're going to be picking up this deck and and cutting it, and that's just to make sure nobody accidentally sees what's on the bottom. It's just a little bit of a protection there. Okay. Uh, And then you take turns going around the table, and everybody inserts with six players, you get one cast. And what you do is you pick one of those lure cards, and you stick it into the deck. Just poke, poke a corner in somewhere. Okay? Um... Uh, and you're going to have to keep track of which one is yours. That hopefully is not too hard to do. Um, yeah, there are a lot of ways you could do that. It should be fun, little, right? Even little like th- little like clips things, on the cards clips or something. Cards, right, that's, yeah. So yeah. they so, could look like a fishing pole. I mean, you, you know. could do that, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, but it, it's just in a simple level. You can probably just remember which one is yours, especially if you're only do it, casting one per round. Uh, the the worst it gets is if you have um, two players. Everybody's going to cast three times uh, in, in that round. And if there's only three of you, you know, you're sitting opposite sides of the table. You just, the ones on this side are mine. The one on this sides are, are, are yours. Okay. Right. Um, so, um, and so again, you just stick your lures in there. They, they don't, you don't completely bury them in the deck. They're, they're just stuck in. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know where yours is. And then after everybody is cast, then starting with what, whoever, whoever, whichever player's, uh, lure is on top is the highest one up in the deck. What you then do is you cut the deck where that card is. And then the three cards that were on top of their lure, uh, well, of course, you pull their lure card out and put it back in front of them. The three cards that were on top of their lure get pulled out, and then the the deck is then stacked back where it was, okay? So you don't look at any other cards. Then, So the three cards that were on top of that lure get revealed. If any of those lures match, 
uh, the lure that the customer or the customer the, <laughs> the, fish. the player yeah, yeah. If, if the the one of those fish matches that lure then the player takes that fish for points okay if more than one matches well they're still only going to take one because they only had one lure in but there. they'd get to choose which one they get it, to choose which mattered. one yeah. presumably the highest the highest scoring one um there, there would also be some set collection scoring potentially potentiality there as well um and then you continue around the table and th- so so you take one the other two cards are set aside okay um, and you leave them face up over there for the time being. And then you go around the table, and everybody takes that, takes, uh, cuts the deck, pulls the three cards out from the lure, and uh, and then you're good. So everybody at that point, hopefully, has scored. Not everybody has scored. Maybe depends on what lure you, uh, what lure you put out there. You probably, because this is just random, random chance at this point. You probably are going to put out your best lure, your your widest. Uh, you know, widest berth or wide, most attractive lure out there for the first time because you want to get some kind of points. Mm-hmm. Okay. Odds are pretty good you're going to catch something that first time around. Now, you've got two stacks. Everybody has one card to score with, hopefully, and then you have two stacks of cards. You still have that original deck that you don't know where it is, and then you have this other deck of cards uh, that have all been revealed to everybody, and everybody knows what's in that stack. And everybody knows if common cards or rare cards are in there, common fish or rare fish are in there. You take that, you shuffle that up, and you put it back face down and put another lake bottom card on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then you go around again. And now everybody, they do back to you have back to all three of your lures. Okay. Uh, now you're going to cast again. And now you decide, am I going to cast back in the main lake or am I going to go to one of the spots in the lake that I already know? And I already have a right, good yeah. idea of what I'm going to be able to catch in those spaces. And so now you choose, am I going to cast in which deck? Do that again, right? <clears throat> the same thing, pull out the top three. And sort of mail out. Now, any cards that you reveal this t- this next time around, though, go to a new third pile. Okay? So, optimal distribution, by the end of that third round, uh, or by the time you make that third deck, you've got three stacks of 12 cards. Is right. It, right. It, it, optimal distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably wouldn't likely be that, but we'll see. Um, and then, again, a third round, you do that, uh, and, and cast, and whatever get what you can get, and then it's final scoring, whoever has the most points, with um, with set collection is the winner, theoretically. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think the core of that, I, I, I like that idea as being kind of a, an abstraction or a deconstruction of fishing. Because that, that feeling of fishing is, you know, you generally know what kind of fish are in this lake, but you don't really necessarily know where the best spot to go on the lake is going to be. And I'm going to use this lure because I know that this kind of fish are in the lake, but am I actually going to get any this time? I don't really know what I'm going to get, right? Right. So I like it as kind of an abstraction of that, but I think it needs one more layer of something uh, to add a little bit of strategy. I would just try it this way to start out with. Honestly, this sounds really solid. Um, I, I don't... It's not an abstraction of my, or it's not a deconstruction of my uh, experience with fishing. I mean, to me, that would be like basically you put the fishing game out in the middle of the board, everybody gets like a D100, and then you have to get like a 72 exactly to oh, be yeah. able to actually play the game. And then you just take turns rolling that, and then oh. likely no one ever rolls it. And then you just drink beer and go home. Don't get me wrong, I hate fishing. Right. And then at the end of the game, <laughs> everyone goes back and explains how you played it and it was great and you won, even though you, you never actually played the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I don't enjoy fishing at all. 
you know, but but for real, that game sounds like fun. I would play that game. It, it at least sounds interesting, like an interesting yeah. experience to to try, right? Um, and and I, I that was a fun little thought experiment to try and see it through. Mm-hmm. When we do, I I'll try and put something together because I'm really curious about just see what happens. Right. So like when we get our our playtest night later this month at One Well, I'm going to put something together for that. That's good. I I think that that would be a lot of fun. You should do that. It's yeah. worth trying. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, yeah, but, but I think, I think, again, it needs one more layer of something to actually make it a game, uh, is what I'm feeling like. How, if you do everything you did and get the set collection to work, you've got a, a simple but catchy game there. Yeah, it might need one extra thing, but I wouldn't start with that. I mean, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. just play it this way and in, in naturally, either you're going to say, this is actually enough or, oh, it needs one more thing. Oh, how about this, right? sure. sure. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, and it might be that one more thing might be, well, you pull out four instead of three because that splits up that first deck faster, and so you right, have more variety right. in there. I don't, yeah. I don't know, right? So you have more information, but yeah. So I, I think I need to put it together and just poke at it and see how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah. So it's fishing, which also I I, I like that as the name because it's not fishing, but it's right. kind of fishing. Yeah. It yeah I I I think that that feels like a good title for it. My kind of first thought was fishing. Really, <laughs> <laughs> that would be the subtitle. Really, you could actually you could actually have it fishing. Really, but it's R E E L Y. I mean, it's bad, but it's, it's bad. It might actually be the right kind of bad. Yeah, that's that's probably going this too far. this fishing game will leave you reeling. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no. All right. Yeah. That's good, though. That's good. Yeah, I, I look yeah. forward to playing that. That okay. sounds like fun. Me too. Yeah. I'll give it a try. Um, anything else for tonight? I think we're good. Okay. So thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, 770-TEL-BTG, uh, buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, on Twitter, it's at podcastbtg, at jaslinkelin, at poorly underscore designed uh like us in places and give us good reviews please on podcast spots you look like you have something to say i was gonna say please don't use the email but you, you were too quick so. i yeah look at me i just cut you off you need to just get chris to record that like his nice little jingle hey, of it chris you're probably listening yeah if you're listening <laughs> whip up a little 770 tell btg please don't use the email right there yeah just go but for you it, can yeah. totally use the email if you want it's yeah fine. no that's fine we yeah we're totally good with that uh we do have some voicemails oh good uh we should play a couple we've got a few from len i don't know if they have any others or not but we just um things have been crazy and we just i didn't remember to play some of them okay and then we had the last episode we were gonna play them and then we talked all about feelings and stuff and so yeah, yeah. So. all right well we'll try to get them on next week's show yeah, probably a so, couple of them so probably yeah so okay that's it good night Ooh, good night Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. Then we have two uh, two more cards that are just, um, excuse me, just lake bottom cards. It's the the bottom lake, and that's going to go.